It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers, why hate you guys back up on Friday, July 6th. Uh, I know I'm sure some of you are still celebrating the 4th of July and getting ready for another weekend, probably extending your 4th of July party. So as I've said the last couple of days, have fun, be safe if you're still enjoying and celebrating the 4th. I just hope you're having a good time. Uh, excited for, the, for today's episode. I will be joined by Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report and the Stick to Football podcast we talked about the Panthers rookies kind of his thoughts on how they'll fit in this offense and then we took a little bit of a an eye to the future and looked at the some of the 2019 quarterbacks and running backs so with that hope you guys enjoy my talk here with Connor Rogers Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And joining us now on the Locked On Panthers Podcast is my good buddy, Connor Rogers of Bleach Report and the Stick to Football Podcast. Uh, Does a lot of great work over there. Him, Matt Miller, and Mellow Miller all all do great jobs over there. Connor, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you here. What's going on? Oh, thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it, man. So let's jump right into it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Panthers, kind of get back focusing on them. Um, Obviously, you're coming off all that draft coverage. So let's kind of focus on the rookies a little bit here. We'll start with the first-round pick, DJ Moore. A lot of buzz on his playmaking ability, first receiver off the board. What do you think DJ Moore can bring to this Panthers offense and you know, maybe something that they really haven't seen in a couple years? Well, I think it's really exciting because this is a, a team or a front office, I should say, that has been criticized in the past for not getting Cam Newton the you know adequate playmakers that he needs to make life a little easier on him. It's often been Cam versus the world, it feels like, at times. So when you look at getting a guy like DJ Moore – 
it, it reminds me a little bit of when they went out and got Christian McCaffrey the year before, where you're getting someone that you put the ball in his hands on manufactured touches so he can really pick up yards after the catch. With McCaffrey, he could obviously run and catch the ball. Obviously, Moore gives this, you know, this kind of help now at the wide receiver position where they have Devin Funches. They obviously moved on from Kelvin Benjamin, but there's a lot of reps for him to be had as an instant impact player here in this group. I, I know that, you know, you hope that Curtis Samuel, second round pick from the year before, can get healthy and really get on the field and show off his speed as, you know, an element to this offense. But Moore is the guy that's guaranteed to do that. I think when you look at what he did at Maryland, he was somebody that can win over the top. He was somebody that was very effective in the red zone, whether it was on the fade or the slant route. And he was simply a guy that they felt comfortable giving two to three screen passes to per game for him to turn up field and get, you know, past the defense. So it, more importantly, this is just making life easier on your quarterback by getting guys that go out and make a play with the football in their hands. And that's what, you know, why teams love DJ Moore. And he, he kind of grew from this potential third round player to a first round player because of how effective and, and how high the ceiling really is for him going forward and kind of quick going off that too you just mentioned Curtis Samuel you know they went out and brought in a couple new faces the receiver spot too do you think Curtis Samuel is on the bubble a little bit heading into training camp well the problem is as they always say it's you can't make the club in the tub and I think for Curtis Samuel it's one of those things where you look at him and obviously you could say this regime didn't might not have valued him the way the previous one did. And I think that's the concern for Curtis Samuel, where if he had the same regime backing him, you sit there and go, okay, well, you don't give up on a second round pick that early, right? Or at least that's kind of how the saying goes, especially a player. He's still only 21 years old. He wasn't a late second round pick. I mean, he was the 40th overall pick in that draft. Probably a big thanks to that 4-3 kind of speed he has. And he's just an all around great athlete that played running back at Ohio State, played wide receiver, did so many things. But you have to be healthy. I don't see him on the bubble. But what I will say is his playing time is extremely in jeopardy because they felt like they needed to go out and spend a first round pick in what was not billed as a good receiver class on DJ Moore. So Samuel has a lot to prove that I will say, but he still has a little bit of a window. Let's kind of lump the second and third round picks together since they were both in the secondary. Dante Jackson, the speedy speedy corner out of LSU, and then they took Rashawn Galden out of Tennessee. Now, Jackson looks like he's going to be in play for one of the starting corner spots opposite James Bradbury. Galden looks like he's probably going to start as a backup. But, you know, with this year and kind of going forward, how do you, how do you see these two fitting in this defense? Or what, what kind of value did you see in them going into the draft? Well, it's interesting because I think I look at both before they were drafted and say, okay, I think both of these guys can start in the slot at the next level. And I think that's really Jackson's long-term projection there because of his size. He's very, very light. He's an electric athlete. He's a guy that wasn't as technically sound as you would expect from a second-round pick. But when you're that kind of athlete, his makeup speed and recovery speed keeps him out of trouble at times. And he's got ball skills. And he obviously plays extremely hard. So, when you look at Jackson, I'm not surprised to hear that he's going to get on the field right away. I mean, I think coming out of LSU, those corners are always so pro-ready, or really their entire list of defensive prospects over the years are really instant impact players. So 
The question with Jackson is, does he have the size to compete on the outside? I think that's going to really be the key thing to watch on. When you look at Galden, it's, you know, it's adding depth to a secondary that probably is looking at their corner unit and saying, okay, well, we need a lot more bodies that can effectively play, especially with the amount of injuries and transition we've seen at the position over the year, injuries across the league. But with this Panthers team, you know, there's, seen a lot of faces come and go now between this secondary unit so I think it's going to be interesting they obviously still have Corn Elder there I think he was a player that I, I might have been higher on than most but I thought there was definitely some potential there they have a really interesting corner unit but it's safe to say that both of these rookies are going to get reps with at the minimum the twos but I think both of them will see some time with the ones in camp to see what they have yeah, I'm with you on Corn Elder too I'm excited to see what he can do after missing last year with an injury uh, you move over to the fourth round. They had the first pick of the f- fourth round, and they took Ian Thomas, the tight end, out of Indiana. Now, this is another another pick that I'm really intrigued by. You know, he, he obviously didn't have the numbers at Indiana, but that wasn't really – it was more because they didn't really play that kind of offense or the quarterback play wasn't really that great. But I think coming into this this type of offense and getting a chance to learn from Greg Olson, I think can really be a good help for Ian Thomas, give him a chance to develop and – you know, let him become one of those, maybe the next top option, at least at the tight end position for Cam Newton. What are your thoughts on Ian Thomas? And then also in the fourth round, Marquise Haynes, the defensive end out of Ole Miss. Well, one thing I liked so much about Thomas was that he seemed to really hone his craft and improve each year. I think the excitement around him and what kind of athlete he was and the athletic profile he has considering his size profile it's what you want in your starting tight end or your number two tight end. In this case with the Panthers, he obviously won't be an instant starter right away, but he could still get on the field. And the one thing is with him, we knew he was an effective red zone weapon. He can you know, get upfield after the catch a little bit as well with that big frame. But more importantly, he gets better as a blocker every single year at Indiana. And I think that really goes a long way, especially with what, you know, what kind of team does the Panthers team want to be? It, it, Thomas is really a guy that has versatility to play in line. And a lot of guys in this class that went early did not. I think when you look at a guy like Mike Gusecki, he wasn't a guy that teams planned to play in line because he, he really is just not projected to be any kind of blocker. Mark Andrews seemed to be the same way. So it's interesting that some of the fourth round guys, whether it was Ian Thomas or whether it was Chris Herndon that went to the Jets, those guys that fell, I know Tyler Conklin was another one. These guys can actually block, and while that might not get you in the box score all the time, it's a really effective part of the game because it helps a team like the Panthers really you know, hone in on RPOs that are so popular in this league because you can threaten as a runner with the quarterback they have or throw, you know, threaten to pass it. So Thomas is a player that just really fits this team perfectly, and I fully expect him to overachieve from what his draft slot was in the fourth round. When you look at Haynes, it's interesting because they really went three linebackers in a row here with Haynes, Carter, and Smith. And to me, it's, you know, we know they have a lot of linebackers. Haynes is a guy that's projected to really get after the after the quarterback, not really be an off-ball kind of guy. He, he was so productive in college at Mississippi on the edge. Now, he's a small I – mean, you say small, but he's still – you know, 235 will probably play at 240 pounds with good length, you know, enough height there, enough strength. Uh, I think he's one of those players that will really be what you would call a pass rush specialist with this team out of the get-go in camp, and we'll see if he can maybe transition to a full-time role of that going forward. Yeah, and you mentioned the, uh, the other linebackers that they drafted, Jermaine Carter out of Maryland, who kind of brings a little bit of a leadership role that he had in Maryland, and then Andre Smith out of North Carolina. Um, most likely these guys will probably project or 
maybe at best be special teamers in their first year, but could someone like Carter maybe play his way into, say, the top reserve, you know, or really kind of end up being a good backup to Luke Keekley? Yeah, they're both, listen, they're both undersized kind of off-ball linebackers that'll hang around. You know, Smith's a little bigger, but they'll hang in that 230 to 240-pound range at most, it seems like. And when you go back to Carter, like you said, he was absolutely loved at Maryland as a leader of the defense and somebody that I think actually offers really good depth in the nickelbacker role where he can run and cover. He has the speed to get to the outside. I don't think he's the guy you want on first and second down to stuff the run, and that's okay at this point in the draft. That's fine because like you alluded to, he's going to be a key figure for special teams. And when you get a fifth round guy that has a niche role on the defense in the nickel package and can also be the leader of the special teams unit, that's really good value. And that's why he went much earlier than people thought. People really were wondering, hey, is this someone that could sneak into that seven, six round? Teams valued him a lot more than I think the, the national media really you know, noticed at first. And then uh, their, their last pick in the seventh round is a guy I was – Really intrigued by, I thought he, um, you know, you might know more or know more, excuse me, why he might have fallen so far, and that's Kendrick Norton in the seventh round. I think um, with the kind of lack of depth that the Panthers had at defensive tackle, I think Norton could potentially be someone that could eventually step in and get some playing time. But what were your thoughts on Norton, and you know, do you have an idea why he might have fallen to the seventh round? Well, I think when you look at it, I, I think their production there was limited, and I think that. Technically, you know, he, he wasn't the most effective player in that Miami. The Miami front, too, obviously, being pretty solid. And when you look at him, he checks all the boxes at, at the size. He obviously can play with a ton of power. There's no secret about that. He's, you know, everyone knows he's the son of Ken Norton, who is, you know, obviously an effective NFL player at one time himself. So the bloodlines of an athlete are there. And I think there was a pretty good amount of hype coming in to Miami. It just never panned out into star talent. So when you talk about falling to day three, this is someone who really doesn't lose a lot in the trenches. I think that's most important to know when you're talking about a guy that goes one-on-one, -on -one, it's very hard to win against him one-on-one. -on -one. So if you can hopefully get an effective run stopper that can draw double teams as a rotational player, this is somebody that'll play 20, you know, 10 to 12, maybe 15 snaps a game on the interior and be expected to really control his gaps take on blocks, hopefully double teams, and eat a ton of space in the middle. I think in the seventh round, it's it's a good flyer to take. Why not? Maybe they can coach him up and get more out of him than Miami originally did. He was a four-star recruit for a reason, and he has those bloodlines for a reason. It's just, you know, translating that to an effective NFL player now. And then just kind of lumping the, the college free agents together, is there anyone in particular out of their undrafted free agents that you're pretty intrigued by, you think maybe could make some noise here? Not a, really a whole lot with this group. I thought it was one of, you know, a lot of teams this year. I think the crop of undrafted free agents was relatively underwhelming in the past. We usually seem to have 10 or 12 that you say, okay, those guys should definitely make a roster in that 50, 51, 52, or 53 spot that is most of the time open on a lot of NFL clubs. There was nobody, no personal favorites of mine here. And I think that happens when you look at the Panthers draft strategy coming into this, they wanted to add to this defense like crazy. I mean, you have four of the picks are all front seven players that do have a chance to make this team. The two DBs are locks to make this team. So they knew what they had to go get and they just went out and did it. There was a strategy here from the Carolina front office. And uh, I, listen, out of all the teams in the NFL, it's easy to say, Hey, it's hard to see the whole draft class making the team, but I think this group has a very good chance. 
let's kind of look ahead real quick now to 2019. I know you guys over at Stick to Football are kind of starting your preview series with the draft. So I just want to touch on a couple guys here, get your thoughts. Um, I know one guy you seem to be pretty high on, at least early on, is David Montgomery of Iowa State. Now it looks like it's going to be another pretty good class at the running back position. So just your thoughts on Montgomery and then maybe a little bit about the the whole running back class as a whole. Could it be maybe as good as it was this past draft? Yeah, I I don't think there's the star talent what there was last year. I think Saquon Barkley was a guy that really bucked the trend where it's like, like, hey, you know, a lot of teams don't want to use a top 10 pick on a running back, and this guy goes second overall. That's how impressive he was. I thought Darius guys should have went a lot earlier. Obviously, a really, really good draft slot for a guy like Nick Chubb, who had battled back from injury, and Sonny Michelle goes in the first round as well. Ronald Jones. There was just so many players in this class from running back position that went in the top 50 that really carried top 50 grades, and, and I don't see that coming into the summer. Now, listen. There's a long list of players that we've already made it through on the Stick to Football podcast of these running backs. I've personally watched about 12 to 15 of them, and it's hard for me to stamp a first-round grade on any of them at this moment right now. Whereas last summer, I thought Geis and Barkley were locks as first-round players, in, in my opinion. So I didn't come away with that. But when you look at Montgomery, I think he has the best chance because he does the most with less out of this group. That's what's so impressive with him. His ability to break tackles, his ability to catch the football, you know how hard he runs, his change of direction is extremely impressive. He has that perfect compact build where he's only 5, we say only 5'11", because we're so used to these taller running backs over the years. But it's a good thing to run low, 5'11", 220 pounds of just pure muscle. And I thought his vision was really good. The Iowa State offensive line didn't always set him up for the most success, but he went out and did whatever he could, and he can handle a workhorse kind of workload, which is very impressive across the board. So if anyone's going to find their way into round one, he's the front runner. I think Rodney Anderson on Oklahoma is a really interesting player, 6'1", 220 pounds, great acceleration, great size. He's had two significant injuries early on where he broke his leg in 2015 as a freshman. And in 2016, he suffered a neck injury that really cost him his season. And there's some off-field stuff there that teams will have to clear up. But pure talent-wise, Anderson's the other guy along with Montgomery that I could see really challenging to find their way into the back end of round one next year. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And then last one we'll get you out of here on, we'll talk about the quarterbacks. Um, Far cry from what we had in 2018. Doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of buzz being generated. You know, Justin Herbert... 
is a guy that seems to be talked about a lot. You've seen Drew Locke talked about a good bit throughout Twitter, maybe Will Greer. Overall, what's the status so far of this quarterback class? Not that the Panthers are looking at quarterback anytime soon, but you know we always like to talk about the quarterback class with all these drafts. Yeah, it's an interesting group because we're just waiting for somebody to break out of the pack. And it was interesting. We always come into the year and, and you know, sometimes we say, hey, I don't like this group as much. But is there going to be Mitch Trubisky? Is there going to be a one-year wonder? Can a guy like Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State maybe be that guy? Or is it somebody that we're not talking about right now? And I think Nick Fitzgerald coming back from injury is an intriguing guy to watch because he checks all the boxes in terms of talent. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He can run. He's a great leader. So he's somebody that if he can come back from injury and be the player he was, I I could see somebody using easily a top 40 pick on a guy like that to try to develop him. Jared Stidham's another player, just, you know, another really good runner with a good arm and a lot of talent. I've talked to scouts last year that thought he was going to declare last year that thought he could go in the end of round one when it comes down to it. And he opted to stay in school and really, you know, stay in that Auburn offense where he's going to post very, very good numbers. And of course, as you alluded to, Will Greer can be a big time riser. I think his arm is a lot more lively than people realize. And I feel like people made that mistake with Baker Mayfield, another undersized guy last summer. They're doing it again with Will Greer. So he's somebody that just posts freakish stats at West Virginia, but there's some really, really good plays there to watch as well. Drew Locke needs to fix his accuracy. I just saw a quarterback that of course, he's got a cannon. It's not a Josh Allen-esque cannon, but he's got a great arm, possibly the strongest in this group. But until you're accurate, it's hard to really talk about you being a top 10, top 15 pick. So it's an interesting group. There's a lot to like about Herbert, as you mentioned. I think some of the touch throws he makes is is eye-popping. But once again, we need him to stay healthy. We need him to be consistent. So no first-round quarterbacks coming out of the summer this year. And it's really there for the taking if anybody wants to lead the pack because we know the demand will always be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you know, certainly long way to go and always up, always going to be exciting to debate. Uh, Connor, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, anything you got going on that you want the listeners to know about? Oh, of course. Well, I'm doing all the draft watch series at, at Turn on the Jets, and we're doing all the prospect reviews here at Bleacher Report with Stick to Football. And you can follow me at Connor J. Rogers. So that'll be the summer work, just getting ready for this college football season and NFL training camps to get going again. It's, it's a quiet time of year, but it's an enjoyable time of year. Absolutely, buddy. Like I said, really appreciate you taking time to join us here on the podcast, man. We'll catch you at, at some point, hopefully during the season or leading up to the draft, man. Of course. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. So that was Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. Hope you guys enjoyed getting his thoughts on the Panthers rookies. I definitely enjoyed getting a chance to to chat with him. Like you said, you can check him out, stick to football, and turn on the Jets. Uh, great dude. Got to meet up at the Senior Bowl. Uh, brilliant mind and just a down-to-earth dude. So with that, as always, I want to thank you guys so much for listening and sticking here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti signing off. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next time right here on LOP. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. 
Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.